Hey everyone, this is Chris and you're listening to One Cross Radio and today is the second episode of our Ask a Pastor series and today we are joined by, uh, you know what, even though you're not a official, I guess, pastor anymore, you're still a pastor, let's be honest, you're always yep. a pastor. Yes, so today I am I'm joined by Pastor Tom Lambshed. Uh, Tom, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing awesome. I had a wonderful morning at a church this morning where we did an induction service for a new pastor, and uh, that's always kind of exciting when a pastor gets placed in a church, so that was exciting. Exactly. And I guess just a dear listener by, uh, not a pastor anymore, I guess what I mean by that is like you're... You're, you're always a pastor, and you're like a pastor to pastors, yes. um, and you've been uh, like a transition pastor, and I guess I just meant like, it's not like what if when Steve was on, where it's like, Steve is currently serving yes. full-time as the teaching pastor, or when uh, Dave Lombardo comes on, Dave's like the associate pastor, but... No, no, I spent 25 years as pastor, exactly. so that qualifies me as that, and currently then I'm also a denominational representative to pastor pastors and give you know just professional development amongst ministry staff so so i guess my asterisk for today's title could be we could jokingly call it ask a pastor's pastor there we go (laughs) Uh, that would would work because it's true (laughs) and uh all those years of experience come in handy so uh pastor tom we've got two heavy questions uh for today uh the questions that were submitted to me anonymously um are some interesting ones they can be divisive they can be uh-huh. they can be heavy they're all relatable though like yes. that's the thing yes. like they're they're very relatable to the time we live in and it's something that's going on so we'll go with the first one uh what does the bible say about divorce yeah i mean we you've given two very heavy topics and they were sent anonymously i guess yes which, and that makes a lot of sense because, you know, a person who is really wrestling with these topics, yeah, they just would love to hear what the voice of God would have to say, right? Mm-hmm. And without, without sort of implying that they're either uh, in the middle of these actual issues or uh, whatever. So I, I get it. And that's, uh, and that's a good thing. So it's kind of nice for you to deal with it here in a way that, yeah, just is uh, safe. It's a safe place. For a person to think that through, so, um, so yeah, the the topic of divorce is a huge one. Mm-hmm. Like it's really, really large, um, and partly uh, because there's so many implications in that one. The truth of the matter is, it it really is much more simple though biblically than we have often made this to be. So we have more oftentimes paid attention to the nuances and the exceptions than to the simplicity of what the Bible says. And, I, you know, I, I think we can actually boil it down to the Bible really only the two big things, two big categories. And the, the one is that divorce is really not God's plan, mm-hmm. uh, number one. And number two is there are provisions for our inability to keep God's perfect plan. So, there's, so the scripture actually speaks into basically those two things. And uh, so, I mean, I've got a, a, a number of scripture passages which I could just like read, make a quick comment on, and Chris, you can you know you can engage this, you know, as I go along. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but I, but I've uh, got my uh, scriptures out here. Um, there was a time in Jesus' life when Jesus. This is Matthew 19, which is the 
one of just a few passages where you have to go. Like, mm-hmm. you have to go here. There's a lot of reference to divorce if you do a search across the Bible. Lots of references. But most of it has to do with Old Testament law. Yeah. Okay. So that's where you want to say, okay, that's important and that's the scriptures. But it doesn't necessarily speak to today's question. Oh, man. You just gave me another question that I wish I had thought of before. Okay. Well, for another time, then. Wait, wait till I'm prepared. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. But anyways, in Matthew 19, when Jesus had finished saying these things... He left Galilee and went into the went into the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan. Large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to him to test him, and they asked, "Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason?" So they were asking the question, "Is it lawful for divorce?" But they had an angle, yeah, and and it's not a good angle, okay? So they were doing this to test him. So the motivation was all wrong, mm-hmm. okay? So it doesn't necessarily mean we can't glean truth out of it, but the motivation is all wrong, and that will affect Jesus' response. Because mm-hmm. he also wants to speak to the heart, not just the truth. Mm-hmm. Right? So, and then is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason, which actually wasn't the Old Testament either. It wasn't any or every reason. And so the question was loaded. Yeah. So, anyways, that notwithstanding, he does give... He does give an answer, which is appropriate for us today to answer the question we have today, even if their question then wasn't particularly the best. Theirs, theirs was just trying to be like, gotcha. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And in our question today is, well, we're not, we're not trying to hoodwink Jesus into giving us an answer that we want to hear. Yeah. Which is exactly what they want to do. Anyway, so, so Jesus responded, haven't you read at the beginning, the creator made them male and female, and he said... For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Mm-hmm. That's Genesis 2. So we're going back as far back as we could possibly go. Yeah. And Jesus, or God made us a, a stance on that, right? He yeah. said, this is the point. This is my will. This is what's right. This is what's best. Man and wife, they come together, and they are one flesh. So in the sight of God, they can be considered a single unit mm-hmm. as it regards marriage. So so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And that's what you always hear in every wedding, right? Mm-hmm. Let no one separate. And that means neither the husband or the wife or anybody outside of them, right? So it's pretty straightforward what, you know, God had hoped for in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that it really isn't God's plan. That little story goes on. With the Pharisees then asking another follow-up question, right? Because they're still in the gotcha yeah. motivation, yeah. right? Why then uh, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and to send her away? And that actually is an Old Testament thing. Right? Mm-hmm. So their first question wasn't no. accurate. Now they're catching on. Jesus got their number, yeah. gives them a right answer, and is not letting them get away with it. And so now they have to deal with a certain measure of truth, and now they're probably interested. It's not like a, we've got something that sounds Old Testament-y. It's like, oh, shoot, he knows okay, it. Okay, right. now we got to go on the offensive with, all right, this is Old Testament. Exactly. Yeah. So why did Moses say, give his wife a certificate of divorce? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. That's an important one to remember. Because if there is divorce, it, it's not because God has changed his mind about marriage. It's because something's happened down here. Yeah. Right? 
So because our hearts were hard, but it was not this way from the beginning, Jesus said. Beginning meaning Genesis chapter 2, right? Yeah. Back to what he's already just said, right? Yeah. So I tell you, if anyone divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman, commits adultery. So this is Jesus kind of coming clean and saying, the simple truth that he's trying to say is, God, it's not God's plan. Yeah. And when it is a part of a person's life, the, the problem is not on, on God's concept or God's plan or God's desire. Mm-hmm. It's something that's going wrong on this side of heaven. And so I think whenever you ask the question of divorce, you got to ask, you know, what does God really think? If everything was just right and pure and perfect and good, mm-hmm. what does God really think about this? And it's really clean, really clear. Yeah. Right? From the beginning, one flesh, that's how I think of you. It's permanent. It's it's so permanent that I think of you as one, not two. Yeah. Right? So that that's sort of the, the, the important part. Um, and so what man... What, you know, what God has joined, let no, no man put asunder, mm-hmm. neither the wife nor the husband nor anybody else for that. So that, I think that's the godly ideal. Um, and frankly, the practical outcome of that is we need to be doing every, doing every attempt possible to keep marriage together. Yeah. What, whatever that takes. And I'm not saying that's an easy thing. And I'm not saying no. that there are not extenuating circumstances. Yeah. And I'm not saying that this is quick none of that i'm just on a conceptual level saying every attempt needs to be made yeah to follow god's plan and none of this or this question is to be like well anybody who's gotten divorced is a shameful sin like that's not the angle we're coming from but when i got this question i'm like this is a very this is a very relevant question absolutely like divorce is prevalent in outside of the church and it's prevalent in the church oh yes and something, uh, when I got the question, I'm like, you know what, this is, I'd love to hear this because this is something that, are we not addressing enough? Are we addressing in the wrong way? Like, could, could be. Um, not put it, not to put you on the spot. It's just some of the thoughts I've had. No, I, no, I appreciate that because you do wonder if, if it's such a prevalent thing and if the statistics of marriage are not good. Mm-hmm. Inside Christian marriages and outside. Yeah. You know, statistics belie us sometimes. Sometimes our statistics aren't accurate. Yeah. But even if we don't have good, accurate, uh, you know, uh, uh, facts, Mm -hmm. we we still know it's pretty prevalent. Yeah. Um, And I, I think that because of the number of divorces, then sometimes we, we think we don't know what God's ideal is. Mm hmm. Right? So we back it up from our experience to our theology. Yeah. We really need to go the other way around and look at theology and see and, and live our lives through that, yeah. not through our experience. And so that's why I think we need to start with the, the truth that divorce is not God's plan Yeah, from the beginning, from all these things he said. Uh, and Jesus verifies that, what the Father said, like way back in, at the creation. And, uh, and he did it in the context of people who were trying to get away with things, mm-hmm. whose motivation for the question wasn't good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so they were trying to get away with something, as it seems. And Jesus said, no, let's go back to the plan. And the plan was Genesis 2. God sees us as one. This is a permanent thing. And therefore, the practical outcome of that is every attempt possible should be made. 
Mm -hmm. So that's sort of the practical thing. Now, the reality is we don't live in the ideal world. Yeah. Okay, and that's really unfortunate. There will be a time when we will live in the ideal world, and one of the things that heaven promises us is the removal of all the tentacles of sin through all of the relationships and motivations that we have, right? So we look forward to that day and we'll see clearer. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, we don't live in that world and we do live in what we call that fallen world. And so, so the scriptures and Jesus makes provisions for, uh, for the reality of marriage and divorce. So, um, and, and it's really few, like we, we can't, uh, yeah, we have to be very careful to say that, that, that the scripture allows for divorce, so therefore we can divorce for any reason. Yeah. No, that's really going off, you know, off uh, the rails there. So we actually read one of the exceptions there, mm-hmm. uh, which was in uh, Matthew nineteen nine. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so four very key words in this conversation except for sexual immorality, and marries another woman, commits adultery. And so there's that exception. Jesus has already said that earlier in Matthew. Um, So this is a bit of a repeat from uh, the Sermon on the Mount um, in in Matthew 5, a little bit later on in the chapter. I think it's verse 31, if I can find it here. yeah, divorce here is the title. It, it, it has been said, this is Jesus, so it's the red letter, right? <laughs> I'm reading here. It, it has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. That's a quote from the Old Testament, which mm-hmm. the Pharisees asked, right? Yep. Right? But I tell you, okay, so I, but I tell you, so he's, he's putting a qualifier in here. It's very important. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality, same four words in our English, right? Makes her the victim of adultery and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So there's lots to unpack in there. It's just that exception that affects our question here today, right? Um, And uh, the, the, the truth is sexual immorality is an, is a reason for divorce that fits the scriptures. Mm -hmm. It's not, required to divorce yeah even in that case and i think that all attempts even beyond sexual immorality need to be made because we are striving for the ideal that god has set up not for the exception yeah does that make sense yeah well it's almost like the if you not like if you need an out in a good way but it's like if you were if there was an out for marriage and divorce that's it there but is. there, it's not like you're required to take that out. No, you have you're you're within license. You would be yes. sinless to do so, yes. but that doesn't mean okay. Now you just do it. It's absolved. Yes. The hope is you can try and reconcile, reconcile and move on because divorce isn't the intention. Yeah. But if it's going to happen, it's like well, here's yes. your reason. But yeah, and I, and I think there's there's. I mean, within the mind of God, there's probably all kinds of reasons why those four words are included in the scriptures. Yeah. Uh, not the least of which is that it's that sexual immorality breaks a bond. That it's not a, it's not a permanent break, by any means. But on this side of heaven, that's such an intimacy bond breaker yeah. that in in some cases 
it, it, it is the thing that can't be gotten over, right? Yeah. And so there's a sense in which the marriage ends up just dying, not because it cannot be reconciled, but because of the nature of humanity. Yeah. And I think there's, here's the grace and the mercy of God who, who says, I understand. I understand. Mm -hmm. I know what it's like. In fact, because Jesus is human, he knows what it's like to be human, mm -hmm. to have these impulses, good and bad, run through him. Now, of course, the difference between him and us is that, you know, it, we, he, it was sinless. And yeah. That does not run in our bloodline, no. unfortunately. He, um, he understood the impulses, yeah. but unlike us, yeah. he never gave in to them. <laughs> so this is where I think we have a, a, a God who is remarkably merciful and understands mm -hmm. our state understands the weakness of our creation and allows for that but it, it doesn't it doesn't exempt us from understanding that it's not god's plan number one and number two it doesn't have to be the breaker of marriage all attempts should be made yeah be even beyond that so you know if you're looking at an exception there's an exception uh, paul in first corinthians 7 gives some other unique sorts of interpretations on, on divorce so what he says in 1 Corinthians seven ten to the married, I give this command, not I, but the Lord. Mm -hmm. A wife must not separate from her husband, but if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And a husband must not divorce his wife. So, you know, there, there's that goal of permanence. Yeah. And, and if, if there are struggles happening, then doesn't, you shouldn't divorce. Now, there might be some other things that need to be done. Separation here. And that could be a temporary thing. Yeah. Because all attempts should be made to be married, right? Um, so there is some, there is some, you know, reality to the scripture and understanding that we can't always meet God's standard. Mm -hmm. But it is the target. And it's always the thing to be going back to. We're going back to the fact that marriage permanence is God's plan. Mm -hmm. So to be kind of personal here, when you asked, and we didn't telegraph, when you asked to marry my daughter, <laughs> so now you know he's yeah. talking to his father-in-law. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, so, I, I just assumed that the listeners knew. No. <laughs> but there's always new ones, so yeah. my bad. Yeah, well, there we go. Yeah. So, so, so when you asked if you could marry my daughter, I don't know if you remember the question I asked, but I asked you to define what is marriage, and I was only listening for one thing. And that was, it's forever. Yeah. I'm, I'm choosing this girl, marrying her forever. Yeah. It's the only thing that I can listen to because I can't make your marriage what what I want it to be. Mm -hmm. And what I want it to be isn't necessarily what you want it to be, right? <laughs> so I have no control on that. Yeah. But the thing I do want to know is, is do we understand marriage to be permanent? Because mm -hmm. that's what God's ideal is. Mm -hmm. So... You know, so, I mean, there's lots of nuances. We're not dealing with the whole bunch of stuff to oh, do with yeah. divorce here. But when you ask the question, you know, what's God's view on divorce? Uh, the two things, the simple things, really, is that it's not God's plan and he does make some provision. Mm -hmm. And I think beyond that, then, you know, you, you know, anybody who's really wrestling more, more specifically than we are intending to answer, yeah. then need to sit down with a pastor or a counselor mm -hmm. and to say, Here's my specific situation. How do the specific instructions of the scripture relate to me? Yeah. So we're sort of giving the big, big we're bird's going, eye yeah, view here. We're going the broad answer because yeah. I think with with this topic, even though you can narrow it down to the one biblical 
yeah. exception, yes. there's still a lot of real world. I hesitate. I not to use that term dismissively, yeah. but there's a lot of stuff that people are experiencing in the world that yeah. are like, this is outside here, and the world is showing yes. this is an answer, and people yeah. seem a lot happier. And I haven't seen any punishment for the sin, possibly. Yes. So there's a lot of stuff that we examples yes. that we can't dig into. So no, the bigger, broader the, idea, and one definitely of the things that we have stayed away from in this conversation is the conversation regarding happiness. Yeah. So that that has to be thought through because mm-hmm. happy is not necessarily in the theological discussion of divorce. Yeah. This this marriage isn't there to be to make you happy. You know, it it, it isn't. Now it does do that. Yeah. It actually does do that. But the lack of happiness does not change God's theology. Yeah. Or the exception. Mhm. Right? Mm-hmm. That's that, so I think that in individual circumstances, then you really need to see a pastor or yeah. to, to see an, a, a yeah, counselor and just to talk through those dynamics. Uh, but all we're doing is just giving you the big, the big picture. Yeah. And hopefully that's enough to, to stir some you know, further conversation. Absolutely. And sorry, just as you said, the, the happiness piece, it reminded me of a Chandler sermon uh, from a number of years ago. And listener, if you ever want to check it out, it just look up Matt Chandler, Code Orange Revival. And his whole sermon was about how he wasn't there for our momentary happiness, but yeah. to lead us to the eternal joy of yes. God. And yes. Within that joy, that doesn't always meet, translate to momentary no, happiness. Absolutely not. So, um, thank you for yeah. for addressing that too. Uh, so the second question is uh, is no less heavy. Yeah, um, thank you. <laughs> it's just how this one worked out, um, and it's you know what it's something that affects everyone um, mm-hmm. from. The, the parent with the child to, uh, unfortunately, recently, something even that happens with pastors yes. or former pastors where yes. uh, this they get to this unfortunate place. Uh, so the question is, what does the Bible say about suicide? Yeah, well, thanks a lot. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, oh, I have so many things to say. And again... Again, um, there's so little that we can, you can't dig deeply into this one. Yeah. Um, but let me, let me give you the highlights of some of the things the scriptures have to say for, for mm-hmm. the listener's consideration. Um, but just the caveat is here, we're just trying to uncover some of the scriptures, but we're not trying to deal with their specific application of the scriptures yeah. here. Because, uh, you know, for a person who's... Uh, wrestling with suicide, it's it's deeper than, yeah, it's deeper than our podcast here can really help oh, yeah. with and really needs to be. But again, I think we, I, I think we need to be a little bit more simple in our thinking about suicide as it regard from the scriptures. Uh, one of the things I'd love us to do is to change our language about this. Mm. Is very too too often, and I'll. You'll probably catch me falling into this even in this conversation. We talk about the person who commits suicide. And I think we have to be careful about using that word commit. Um, yes, a person does take their own life, so they are an active agent in it. Mm-hmm. But in many cases, 
the uh, the circumstances surrounding it sort of uh, didn't give them an option or they didn't see that there was an option and yeah. so when we say commit we're assuming that they were in their right mind or their right circumstances and made a choice between life and death and chose death and uh, it, it's not that simple no so a person who quote-unquote commits suicide oftentimes didn't have an option uh, and it's especially true in people with the mental illnesses where yeah. they didn't even have an option in reality so we wouldn't say that a person who died of cancer committed cancer no right so that see that language just is silly it doesn't yeah. make any sense uh, but if a person had a mental illness and therefore uh, that was the thing that spurred them to take their life, then um, I think we just need to be careful with the language of that so yeah. that we're not critical um, without meaning to be. Yeah. And like I know, I, based on conversations I've had, I know people have been like, well, they made the choice to do that. But like you just illustrated, they didn't feel they had one. No. So it's not like you or I where yeah. right now we're in our... Yeah perfectly set mind where if I chose that would be like he yeah. hundo P chose to do that yes but in this situation they don't they don't feel there's a choice there's nothing informing them that they they have that no so whereas the Bible doesn't actually have an instruction manual or passages mm-hmm. about uh, suicide itself what is interesting is if you look into the scriptures there are several instances of suicide in the Bible yeah Okay, and so... Judas springs to mind? Judas springs to mind. Sorry, I jumped ahead. No, but no, for sure. So King Saul was another one. Uh, Saul's armor bearer almost at the same time. Right, yeah. Samson. Yep. Okay, uh, Ahithophel, which is not as well known, but but a a son of David. Um, Yeah, so there's (coughs) several in the scriptures, and as I was just thinking about those few, even just those few... um, I was, I was imagining what would, what would have driven them to take their life. And the reasons for all of them are varied. And they actually reflect on mo- modern problems. Hmm. So, so King Saul probably was a mental illness issue. And we know how, how he was really not in sound mind when he dealt with David and was throwing spears and was doing all kinds of... Uh, so there is a strong case that can be made if you study the life of uh, Saul and you, 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 know, you, you study him in terms of a psychotherapist. Mm-hmm. There are some serious mental illnesses that would be a part of that. Um, Samson, uh, interesting story. He had, did take his life. It's not absolutely known that he intended to take his life, but he knew that it was going to happen. Yeah. But that was more a matter of revenge. Yeah. It was like, I'm going to go, but I'm going to take all of them with me kind of thing. Exactly. So we see suicide like that happening today. Yeah. Right? That exact thing yep. is happening today. And so so the scripture speaks very clearly to some modern issues there. Mental illness, revenge. Ahithophel was a story of hopelessness and took his life because of hopelessness. Judas, you could probably say a similar thing. Yes. And I would, I would add shame. Yeah. Yeah. to Judas's uh, situation. Absolutely. And so put all those together, and that's a fairly interesting selection of the same reasons that people might do that today. Mm-hmm. So I'm impressed with how relevant the Scripture is yeah. in these stories, because yeah. what's motivating these people who took their lives 
is oftentimes the motivators today. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the the, the 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 scripture speaks pretty clearly then to the il- illustrations or instances of it. But yeah, I, you know, I thought of five biblical lessons that I think probably speak the most to this, and I won't be able to read all of the. Um, um, the scripture references, but I'll say them out loud here mm-hmm. so that you can go ahead and uh, look them up yourself. But, um, but one of the things to remember is it's God who manages life. I think that's a principle to start with. It doesn't sound like the suicide conversation, but ultimately it is God who is to manage life. So in Psalm 31, verse 5, my times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of the enemies, from those who pursue me. It's it's God who is to be the one who manages your time. Your mm-hmm. times uh, your times are in my hands. So I'm not to take uh, my death into my hands. Mm. Okay. So I think as a primary thing is that you know it, it's God who manages life. Um, the second thing I think in this conversation is that. A suicide is the wrong way to deal with problems. Okay, it's just the wrong way to deal with problems. Please get don't read me wrong to say that the problems aren't big enough that that would make you think it's an option. Yeah, it, it the, your problems can be way bigger. Yeah, right, and big enough so that taking your life actually seems to be a more viable option. Yeah, but it, it's not the way to deal with problems. And yeah. if no other verse comes to mind, at least the sixth commandment: "You shall not murder." You know, that's a reflection on what God values. Uh, murder somebody else or murder yourself. Mm-hmm. It's just, it just, that's not the way to deal with problems. There must be a different way. Again, I'm not downplaying the, the reality of how big the problems yeah. can be, but I'm just trying to state the principle. Mm-hmm. It's just a principle. And uh, uh, the, the third one is that, you know, God can deliver us. It's not that it's impossible for him to deliver us. So I wrote down here Psalm 34 for some reason. So it must mean something here. Um, uh, Psalm 34, 18 and 19. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many trouble, troubles, but the Lord delivers them from them all. See, that's what God wants to do. So the bottom line is God is not in heaven and thrown off any care for you whatsoever, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, And the issues that you find yourself in, whether it's shame, hopelessness, revenge, fear, mental illness, some of those those things that we actually could see in scriptures, Mm -hmm. it's not that God has said, I don't care for you anymore, right? There will be troubles, and the scripture is honest to say that you will have troubles. But the Lord delivers them, and so I think that I think that's the 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 vision or the hope is that God can deliver us from whatever it is that we think is moving us towards the suicide. Yeah. So that so that's you know sort of God's stance on it, and I, I think in terms of the big principles of suicide, um, again not dealing with specific instances, but the big one of the big principles. Is that uh, you know? God never wastes the pain that we struggle with. Mm-hmm. He 
he can make good on the struggles, mm-hmm. right? And he, there's and I've said that in a unique way that God doesn't waste them. Yeah. Um, so lots of passages of scripture deal with this, but it's in um, Romans five, verses one to somewhere on verse five, I guess. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's remember that one in a minute. Uh, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So we actually stand in the presence of God through faith in Jesus Christ, through the work of Jesus Christ. So we are in a connection with God. We have a standing. We have a place. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because... And he's not about to say, because we like suffering. Yeah. Because we like shame, hopelessness, revenge, fear, or illness. Right? The things that drive us to suicide. No. We glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces something. And here's the list. It produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character develops hope. Mm-hmm. So God is... God is... Doesn't waste... The sufferings that we have so if we have those things there's something in it that God actually can use for our own betterment betterment or somebody else mm-hmm. now it, it, it's not you can't see it you know the person who has got suicidal thoughts isn't seeing that yeah the very things I've just said just 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 they're right over their head because they're not seeing that but I do think as we have this sort of dispassionate conversation about suicide <laughs> not being in the throes of this yeah. ourselves I do think we also need we need to recognize that's a biblical principle that God mm-hmm. actually uses those difficulties and I think it's something for those of us who wish to be helpful mm-hmm. to somebody who is really yeah. wrestling with this it's something for us not to use as a hammer over someone's head who's not able to hear it at the moment Yeah, but for us to recognize you know God can be in this right and yeah. so that gives us that ongoing hope to deal with the person who's wrestling with their own suicidal thoughts or mm-hmm. activities, right? Now, the one question then that I haven't answered by any means, which is the one that needs to be answered probably the most, is if a person takes their own life, do they go to heaven? Yeah. Or something of that sort, right? Yeah. Right? So, yeah. And, and I, re- I want to answer that one because I really feel like that's important. I don't want to give... A person who's thinking about suicide, the, uh, a sense of the option, right? Yeah. That's not what I'm trying to get at. So I'm, I, but I, I, I want to answer this clearly. So if you're asking me if a person takes their own life, do they go to heaven? Mm-hmm. The simple answer to that question is if they've accepted Jesus as their Savior, yes, they go to heaven. Yeah. Period. Um, and some people have tried to get around the simplicity of that by saying, well, they, they, it was a too big of a sin. Well, who's got the right to say how big a sin is? I yeah. certainly don't. And in the scale of things, no sin is greater than another anyways. Yeah. It's all an offense to God. Anything less than perfection is as big as big can be. Yeah. So that one's, that one's not in there being like, all are forgiven except this one. This one's too big. Like, exactly. this is the exception. And there is an exception verse in Mark that says there is an exception, mm-hmm. uh, an unforgivable sin, as we've sort of called it, and it's not suicide. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so there's one exception, and it's not this. Now, if it was this, it would have to be in that verse. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's not. No. So we're on when, solid ground here. When the lists are important, they're there. The Bible doesn't hide any of the any of the lists. <laughs> you can make a list of the lists, but this isn't one of them. Exactly. So, um, and uh, so others have said, well, they didn't have a chance to ask forgiveness of their the sin of taking their own life. Mm-hmm. Well, Chris, you and I are going to get to heaven. Yeah. And there's going to be lots of unconfessed things. Yep. Things that we actually didn't know to confess. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Right? We'll get there and our eyes will be open and we'll say, oh my goodness, why did I not confess that? Why didn't I see that? Why did I not know? It was for those things that Jesus died. Mm-hmm. The things that we are aware of and the things we're not aware of. So if we're, a person takes their life and is not aware that yeah. that is a sin, does not disqualify them from heaven if they've accepted Jesus as their personal Savior. Yeah. We're forgiven for our past sins and for our future sins. That doesn't mean like just go sin because no. you're forgiven, but we are forgiven. Now to add some weight to yes. this conversation. As if it's not weighty. (laughs) Romans 8. Yeah. Very important. Verse 38 and uh, 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of God's creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Period. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Right? So those who are in Christ Jesus are not separated from, by his love, from his love by taking their own life. This, this is not justifying taking your life. Yeah. We've already said that it's not God's plan. We've already said, yeah. right, that this is not the way to deal with it. We've already said that God heals the brokenhearted and yeah. will, will, you know, and God can deliver us, that God is the one to manage our life and our death. We've already said that this pain, you know, God doesn't waste it. So this is not to say, you know, it's hey, here's, here's a note, it's all good. It, yeah. It's just to say, if you want to answer the question, does the person who takes their life get to go to heaven? Well, the answer is if they've accepted Jesus as their Savior. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And expect to see them. Expect mm-hmm. to be there. Now, they made a, a, a choice that for whatever reason, fear, shame, revenge, mental illness, whatever, whatever, mm-hmm. they made a choice and, and they were under the wrong assumption by mm-hmm. either cognitively or not cognitively mm-hmm. that God was finished with them or that their life was not meaningful for whatever reason. And that's just not true. They made a mistake mm-hmm. in thinking those things. We don't judge them for that, mm-hmm. but we, we help them yeah. uh, in that. And so, so again, my caveat is all we're looking at, you asked me the question, what's the Bible have to say? So yeah. I'm just giving you the Bible quotes I, and uh, references. And so, but for the person who actually struggles with that, even listening to this, yeah. You know, I beg of you, please, go go sit down with a pastor. Go yeah. sit down with a counselor. Just share your heart. Share it all. Mm-hmm. A good person out there will give you uh, an understanding of the Scripture that gets much deeper than we've been yeah. able to talk with about today here and can really, uh, you know, provide the help that the Scripture has to do to mm-hmm. and that, that 
good human research and wisdom can provide yeah. as well. But this is the high-level conversation of, yeah. the, of the uh, suicide question. Yeah. And thank you for uh, thank you for taking the time to answer that, T. And I absolutely agree. Like we can say that they'll be in heaven, but that's not to give like a stamp of approval on. Okay, since you're in heaven, like you'll be in heaven, it's all hunky dory. Because it's not God's will. It's not His plan. And listener, like Tom said, if you're if you or anyone you know is struggling with this, um, as much as we can talk till we're blue in the face about how far the world has fallen in yes. these days. Yes. One of the good things that's going on right now is we live in a time where societally inside the outside the church, but praise God, especially inside the church, we're becoming aware of how much we're removing stigma from yeah. mental health yeah. and suicidal thoughts. Yes. It's not, we're not now in a spot where no. most churches are saying, well, just pray this away. No. It's we're creating atmospheres where people can be heard, yes. can feel listened to, felt listened to, and get the spiritual counsel. So please, if you know anyone or if you yourself are going through this, yeah. take those opportunities. Speak to a count, speak to a counselor if you're a Christian. I'd recommend speaking to a Christian counselor yes. because they can speak into from a faith piece as well. Yes. Speak to a pastor. Yes, there is help. Please, please consider yes. getting it. Yes. Um, and know that people are do love you and are praying for you. As much as your situation may be informing you otherwise to the can't see it, mm. you, as much as you yourself are in that moment feeling you can't, that is not the actual case. Yes, I'm not saying that to dismiss what you're feeling. No. Um, but from an outside perspective, yes. like that isn't the case. Please get the help that, that you need. Absolutely. It's it's open now. Yep. Uh, Tom, thank you again so much for uh, for having the conversation and helping. And uh, yep. I'd love to have you back on. And next time, maybe the questions won't be as weighty. Make them a little bit. <laughs> not as quite as weighty. As <laughs> next time, they won't be uh, the thousand pound questions. Yes. Um, but as always, love having you on, uh, Papa T, father in law. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. All the numerous letters. And uh, dear listener, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Um, Yeah, thank you for supporting us. And I pray God spoke to you through this. Have a wonderful day and God bless, my friends. Take care.